Esports isn't a fringe hobby anymore. Competitive gaming is starting to look like other professional sports. With billions of dollars at stake, leagues such as the NBA and NFL have started fielding teams, with gamers being treated like high-priced competitive athletes. We're joined today in the mic drop by Jeff Moore, president and COO of Dallas's Team Envy, to talk about where esports is headed. You're also not going to want to miss his story about how he got into sports as employee number one of the Dallas Stars and a very important trip to DFW Airport. But first, we're visited by Daniel Surency Jones, co-founder of Powerhands, a global product tech company that designs innovative solutions for athletic training and rehabilitation. And finally, the athletics Saad Youssef joins us to talk about the end of the Maverick season, the upcoming Stars draft, and what hidden gems he's been downloading in his spare time. So let's drop the needle and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by my co-host, Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, coming to you live in studio from Mic Drop Tower. Great show coming up today. We're also joined, of course, by our next level intern, Marcus Carr, who we'll hear from in, in a minute. Uh, Monica, this is episode 17, which reminds me of Oliver Mack, who was an original Maverick, but in Dallas... Any 17 has to go back to Dandy Don Meredith, SMU and Dallas Cowboys legend, Monday Night Football, great post-playing career as an actor. He starred for a number of years as Los Angeles police detective Burt Jameson on the show Police Story in the 70s. You have a, a current athlete that you'd like to see take on a dramatic uh, role in a, in a real TV show? Well, Sully, you know, this isn't going to surprise a lot of people of my heartthrob, Brooks Kepka. I'd love to see him on the uh, on the big screen there uh, or on a TV series. But actually, I'm going to go in a different direction today. I'm going to go with Simone Biles. Uh, one, because she just uh, made history uh, in, in Fort Worth uh, at the U.S. Gymnastics Championships. Uh, I mean, my gosh, she has an entire... Uh, uh, a move uh, named after her, the Biles, um, you know, one of the most decorated gymnastics in history. And I feel like if you have that type of uh, uh, commitment uh, to, to greatness that uh, you could easily transition over to behind the camera or in, in front of the camera and, and on stage. So uh, I'd, I'd love to see uh, what Simone Biles can do. And then obviously if we can get Brooks uh, some sort of role on, on the TV, I think that would be great. Well, as talented as Simone is, I, I think she could do anything. And of yep. course, with the Olympics starting on July 23rd and future episodes of the mic drop, we will be uh, getting into that. Let's, uh, you know, last week, we're, we're not going to go too hard on the Mavericks here, but, but Marcus expressed concern uh, last week on the show. He predicted there would be a Game 7. Marcus, uh, how are you feeling? Uh, Sully, feeling pretty disappointed, honestly. Um, spirits are low in Dallas, and, you know, all, all we can hope for is the Mavs retool this offseason um, land some free agents, re-sign some guys, and come back next year with a healthy roster, and and hope for hope for a better better result uh, in Luca's uh, you know supermax uh, year, I, I'd say. Well, I hope so. You know, and Donnie, we trust, and Mark, we trust, <laughs> and uh, let's get it going. We're going to talk a little later and show big off seasons for both the Mavericks and the Stars. Uh, Marcus, you know, we love sports business here on the mic drop. Dak Prescott yesterday signed a deal with the Jordan brand, only quarterback in the NFL and the highest paid NFL player to sign with Jordan. What, what was your take on that? Well, he's not the first Cowboy to be signed to Jordan. Des Bryant uh, was one of those athletes as well. But I think this just shows to his marketability. He's the fourth highest paid athlete in all of sports, which is just shows the Cowboys brand and like like we talked about uh, a few weeks ago is that their evaluation is so high on Forbes and it, it doesn't seem to be slowing so being the face of the franchise is, is just great for Dak right now honestly. Yeah it's good to see him healthy and uh, looks like he's going to be ready to go for training camp. So Monica what's the latest at the Dallas Sports Commission? Yes well um, we are pushing real hard to the end of our uh, FIFA World Cup human rights uh, plan that's due at the end of June. I have to say I'm a 
extremely uh, proud uh, and impressed uh, with the excitement of a lot of our stakeholders. I mean, we've engaged over 200 organizations uh, in, in different, um, you know, topics from homelessness to migrant rights to LGBTQ plus to uh, those with disabilities and really uh, focusing on not just the World Cup, but how we can integrate this plan into the future. So uh, we'll be excited when June 30th comes, but very, very uh, excited to, to be making some long-term progress and putting a lot of programs uh, in place. Um, you know, another some big news that uh, a lot of people may be wondering or uh, <laughs> not even sure of, but uh, in, in terms of the number of events, uh, the recovery from COVID. Obviously, uh, 2020, we didn't have a lot of events, uh, but we just, uh, in February or March, things have been coming back uh, very rapidly for us. Uh, so the, we're anticipating having over 70 events just in a six-month time period. Uh, so we'll wow. be back up to pre-COVID uh, event levels. Uh, so, you know, that's very positive news for, for our venues, our hotels our restaurants, you know, diff different businesses here within Dallas. So excited to, to share that and really seeing a lot of growth uh, in uh, 2022 and beyond as well. Um, working on some opportunities to look into a Dallas Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, a lot of great athletes uh, have come from the Dallas area, have played here, have made significant impact, whether it was an athlete, a coach, an executive, uh, contributors to sport in general, and I think uh, it's, we've been working on these plans for a while, so really trying to take that to the next step. And then um, I want to give a big shout out to uh, one of our former interns. Uh, she was just named uh, to the Olympic team, uh, so we'll be heading to Tokyo. Uh, she actually played at the University of Texas as a volleyball athlete, Chiaka Ogbogu. Uh, I always uh, mess up the end of that name, but uh, really a big shout out to her. Um, uh, we, we enjoyed having her here during the, the right before the women's final four. So hope, hopefully she learned a little bit uh, of what happens on the on the backside of sport. But Sully, I have one big surprise for you. I promised that uh, if you came into studio, I would uh, I would let you know what your big surprise is, and I know you're a little bit scared and nervous about this. I'm very right? nervous about this. Yes. Well, I hope that you're in town on July 24th. Or might you be you and yeah. your wife yeah. in time? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, with, through our friends at the at the Rangers, uh, I've been able to secure us a suite for Green Day concert, and I know you're a big <laughs> Green Day fan, so I'm hoping that you'll join us and some of the Mic Drop team. Uh, over at Globe Life Field. That, that's a pretty good surprise, right? That's a great surprise. Thank you so okay. much. Can't wait. Yeah. The, I, I, the, 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 I know the mic drop team can rock, so <laughs> so that'll be, we'll do it literally. Yeah, I mean, I won't go as far as we'll do the mic drop podcast from, from Globe Life Field, but uh, in the concert. But uh, I thought you might enjoy that, so uh, get to spend a little bit more time together. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. You're welcome. That. All right, so lots of good things happening and things growing, like as always, impressively with the Sports Commission. And speaking of impressive growth, we'll be back to talk esports and with President and CEO of Team Envy, Jeff Moore. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. Let's go to Rachel. Powerhands is a global athletic training and rehabilitation product tech company that enhances human performance through the designs, innovative technology. If you are a coach, athlete, fitness enthusiast, Powerhands is for you. Who doesn't want to improve their overall performance and recovery? Even better, Powerhands is Dallas-based and a portion of every product purchased. Helps provide athletic and academic programs to youth in underserved communities. Go to powerhands.com and improve your athletic performance today. Thanks, Rachel. It's now my pleasure to welcome to the mic drop president and CEO of Team Envy, Jeff Moore. The Team Envy is an esports organization based in Dallas. Includes a group of teams competing in various video games, Notably, the Dallas Fuel and the Overwatch League. Ken Hirsch has told me all about that. Before that, Jeff spent five years as a chief revenue, revenue officer at the Circuit of the Americas. That's the racetrack in Austin that brought F1 racing back to the USA. 18 years as a Stars Executive VP of Sales and Marketing. Monica, back earlier in his career, he did a little time uh, at the Dallas International Sports Commission, one of the precursors to your work today. Uh, but we have to begin, though, by congratulating Jeff on, the, on his Baylor Bears winning the national championship. So, Jeff, welcome to the mic drop. Hey, Sully, how are you? 
I'm well. Thanks for thanks for for coming on. So you you've done all these cool things in 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 sports. How did all of that lead to esports, and how does it help you in your in your work with Team Envy? Well, and to start off, I'm lucky, right? So my my uh, when I was coming out of graduate school from Baylor, uh, I had a choice between a more traditional career path and uh, trying sports, and so I had a you know, $5 an hour internship offer from the Dallas International Sports Commission, or I could take a, you know, a higher paying job with more salary benefits, more structure, more, you know, maybe more of a future. And my older brother, Kevin, uh, you know, is the one who led me to take the risk. Uh, let me live with him for a year, sleep on his couch, um, you know, and, and he's the one who led me to take the risk to try career in sports. And it worked out. And so, uh, I really have no one to thank except for my older brother on that one. Uh, and then I think the diverse path of, you know, the Dallas International Sports Commission, which we worked in the nine, you know, bidding for the 94 World Cup, uh, led us to help the Minnesota North Stars relocate to Dallas, which led me to being a member of the Dallas Stars for 18 years, uh, which led, you know, one of our former VPs is now a very successful uh, search firm uh, owner. That led me to going to Austin uh, to be a part of the Circuit of the Americas. Um, kind of building and unveiling of the F1 racetrack, which had a lot of other events like the Summer X Games. We had a great, uh, they have a great uh, outdoor concert venue, amphitheater there. Uh, then that led me, that working for Steve Sexton there led me to uh, an opportunity to come back to Dallas and work as a, a consultant in the new venue group for HKS. So we uh, consulted on the Globe Life field and a lot of international projects. And then kind of when you, when you do that, when you're kind of an agency and a consultant for an agency, you, you have to you know, learn about soccer in Indonesia and you have to learn about all the events in Hong Kong and building types and audience segments. Um, you can't just stick to what you already know, which I didn't know anything about professional hockey or F1 before I got into those either. Uh, certainly didn't know much about the World Cup before I got into it with uh, the Sports Commission. So as you have to research all these new applications, cases, situations, opportunities, uh, that led me to when, when I was being recruited to come here, be the president and COO of Team Envy, uh, you know, I just looked at it the same way that I looked at all the other projects that we had as a consultant, which is just research, understand what the opportunity is, and then see if, if what I would bring to it would match up with the opportunity they had and make a meaningful uh, you know, difference for them because that's ultimately what leads to longevity or success in any role is if the fit is right, what they need and what you bring. Uh, and so I was just lucky that it worked that way. Yeah, Jeff, <clears throat> I've gotten a little bit of a window into the world of professional esports through media training for the NBA 2K League and, and, and for the NHL fan competition as well. So I, I, I know how dedicated uh, these gamers are they're professional athletes in, in 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 their own right but for people who who don't get it like I had one sports executive who I won't name who said don't get it don't want to get it uh, it's hard for uh, people uh, who've been around as long as you and I have in, in in pro sports to understand what this is all about so so break it down for us why does this matter uh, how has it gotten so big and what what's the future well, when, I, when we were working on trying to bring the World Cup to Dallas, uh, we had a lot of the same pushback, frankly, you know, that I don't like soccer. I don't want to like soccer. This is a, you know, American football world, you know, that we live in here in America. And, um, and, and now when you think about, you know, from, you know, 1990 to 2021, I had to check the calendar to see what year we're in real quick. Um, you know, think about how much Dallas has changed, you know, and, and why has it changed? And it's because the international world of business brings people for economic benefit and freedom to our marketplace from all over the, the world, right? And they come because of their skills and the opportunities that those skills unlock for them economically and the chance for their, uh, for them and their family to have, you know, a better life. And so that sort of diversity and uh, that's grown over that time period um, that you would recognize if you just looked at through a soccer lens and what has the, you know, having the World Cup in America 94 uh, done for the pollination of professional soccer and just, you know, soccer overall for America. And I would say the esports 
is similar. It is as popular around the world as soccer, uh, which makes it much more popular than almost any other sport besides soccer around the world. So one is it's a completely global opportunity. And secondly, it's essentially the winning activity of almost everyone below 34 uh, years old. And so, uh, you know, as someone who has four children, uh, I'm partly to blame for it because as my wife and I, uh, who, you, you know, Jill, you know, she works, right. used to work for the NBA, for the Mavericks, for the Stars. I've been in sports all my life. You know, we would be watching a game uh, on television and, you know, you hand a digital device to your child and they can still watch Elmo. You know, they don't have to watch what their parents are watching. Uh, like when I'm, you know, I'm 54, when I was growing up, my dad was watching Sanford and Son. I was going to watch Sanford and Son because it's the only thing on and there's only three channels. Uh, so our kids, have, this generation has always had the opportunity to navigate kind of their own entertainment experience and they like to participate in it more than just spectate it, right? So like when we were doing F1 in Austin, uh, F1 has a huge crowd, but there are races with cars almost as cool as F1, like the World Endurance Championship, and they draw no fans. And it's because all the people there would rather be driving cars on the track than going to see something that's less than a worldwide spe uh, spectacle. And so drive, you know, track days to where these people could actually drive, you know, a Ferrari around the track are much more popular and a much bigger source of revenue for the Circuit de Americas than these more minor races are, which are in some ways almost in the same quality as F1 is. So anyway, so I think the, the reason people should care is only if you want to stay in business with people who are below 34 years old, because businesses that miss this next generation are all going to be called the same thing, which is bankrupt, out of business and closed. And so if you don't, you know, interact with young people, then, you know, you're just kind of, you better have your retirement plan set uh, and well-funded. Well, Team Envy has been very successful. Dallas Fuel, explain specifically about what Team Envy is and, and, and how people can get, get uh, involved. And so, so in esports, you have you have publishers who uh, create and own the games, and you have organizations that field teams in different games. So it's really it's a little bit like a college uh, athletic department. You know, you can have men's football, women's soccer, volleyball, etc. And so, in, but they're all playing different games. But those games are all owned by a different publisher usually. The publishers have multiple games. So we have, and then some of those games, uh, the publisher creates their own league. And in some of those leagues, they have ge geography-based teams, and some they just have an open system to where the organizations can come from anywhere. Uh, and so there's some closed systems where you have to pay to get in, and then some just completely open systems like English uh, soccer or football would be, where you can get promoted uh, into the league or a tournament or things like that. So there's qualifying and things like that. So, um, so Envy, um, as an organization, which is you know one of the top 10 organizations globally uh, and it has a, a long history uh, and, a, and a you know championship history um, we currently are in several games we're in call of duty which is a closed league we paid to get in we have the dallas franchise in perpetuity and that marketplace goes from essentially waco through oklahoma the width of texas and then the same thing with the dallas fuel which is you know Right here, which is in the Overwatch League, owned by the same publisher, Activision Blizzard, and we're currently the top team in that league. Um, and the same thing, we have the same territory. We participate in Valorant, and we also participate in Rocket League right now. Those are not geography-based uh, leagues, and they're not closed-loop systems like most traditional sports are. So are we put together the best team we can, and then we try to qualify, qualify for every tournament we can. We also um, sponsor individual players in other games like Hearthstone uh, and Smash. And we go in and out of games where, uh, you know, depending on kind of supply and demand, the opportunity. Um, so we used to be in Counter-Strike. A lot of our organizational thing was created from Counter-Strike, but we're not currently in, in it because Valorant has come on the scene as kind of the replacement for, uh, for Counter-Strike in America for American fans. So, um, you know, as the prime, I think it was the prime minister, or maybe the foreign secretary of Great Britain said once is that England has no permanent allies or enemies. We just have relationships that are good for us, you know, in the moment. And that's a little bit when you're an esports organization, it's the same way. 
is that you can come in and out of games that are good for you. Uh, the ones that you invest in, you're likely to stay in for a long time. Uh, but the other ones, you can come and go as kind of supply and demand, uh, you know, dictates. So, Jeff, uh, you had a lot of success uh, here within the DFW area pre-COVID, a lot of opportunity for uh, our residents and people coming in to actually see, you know, the, the team live hosting various converse, uh, competitions and venues around the Metroplex. Uh, you know, what do our, our, your fans have to look forward to as we come out of COVID here uh, going through this next few years? Uh, good morning, Monica. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, yeah, so, you know, obviously before the pandemic, we had a couple of big events with the fuel. Um, and then we had more planned and then the pandemic hit and kind of pancaked those plans. Um, we're taking steps to come back now. So we're hosting at the eSports Stadium in Arlington, a Call of Duty major. So all 12 teams will be here uh, next week. Um, and, but there's no fans allowed. We're taking kind of in conjunction with the league and the players, we're taking baby steps to start these events back. So, you know, it's a big deal, whether the players are playing live in a LAN uh, environment, which is a local area network, which means there's no latency, everything is completely even for both teams. Which is, which is important in video games. There's no such thing as really referees. The digital game, as long as both teams have the same connectivity speed is, you know, can't, well, there's some things you can do to get gain an advantage, uh, but for the most part, there's no cheating. Um, and then, so we're trying to get back to a land environment because that's the most fair competition and it creates the most interesting broadcast because you get the players, the teams right there together. So you get the tension and the competitiveness uh, it's just better for the broadcast. Uh, then we're also in conversation and planning to, um, to bring back individual team events with fans when we're still playing online against another team. So we don't have approval yet. And I've been told that getting approval from your uh, you know, people who are over you is an important thing that I've start learning. <laughs> oh, come on, better. just break it here. It's called the mic drop. Just lay it on us, Jeff. Uh, well, I'm trying not to have it be called the career drop. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, what I've been counseled to be more careful with, you know, who I let break the news and when I let them break the news and wait till I have permission uh, to do so. So we're working on that. And so one of the great things about esports, uh, Kevin, we were talking, you know, a little bit alluding back to your time at the Mavericks, mine at the stars, you know, and traditional sports and things like that. And so one of the reasons I was brought on uh, from the traditional sports world into esports was to bring some of the very positive things that esports teams and organizations need to do that mirror what traditional sports leagues and teams have done. So live events, sponsorship, uh, arena development, district development around the, you know, that facility, things like that. But the important thing for esports is not to just, you know, copy, you know, the NBA schedule and concept and format and, and, uh, and standards, because that's not good for us. You know, like originally in the Call of Duty League, we were going to have our team fly to London, play one match one time, fly back to America, then fly back to Paris and play another match the next week. Well, you know, that's not sustainable. That's not a, you know, the travel costs would be deadly. Uh, and to fly all that way to play one match, you know, that could last 90 minutes, you know, you, we, need, uh, we needed to evolve. And the pandemic was terrible for the globe, but it was an obvious need, uh, opportunity to reset the format. And so now both leagues have settled on what I think is a much better format in terms of economics and, uh, decreasing player travel, which is you play online matches against other teams, uh, essentially two out of three weeks of each month. Then at the end of the month, you have a tournament where all those, you know, the games before are seeding games for a, a kind of a monthly tournament. So with the NBA looking to have a mid-season tournament, they're looking at kind of the same thing. They see what European soccer does and the spice that having all those tournaments adds to the regular season grind. And in Europe, they're not used to a playoff system, maybe like we are. They have, you know, the World Cup and club championships uh, to kind of, you know, mimic that a little bit. But here, you know, they're looking for more uniqueness, creativity, to generate more interest, to break up the monotony. And I think the old days of just having this long regular season followed by the playoffs, 
then the NBA is probably in the best uh, game format and ability to mix that up. Um, and it puts more of their star players and teams uh, in the media spotlight. So it gets rid of kind of the archaic all-star games that are not really competitive or that entertaining. Uh, and it replaces them with competitions that put, you know, essentially the cream rises to the top with this tournament format and it creates tension and uniqueness in a way that uh, regular season never could. So, so I have no idea if I answered the question, but that's, you know, where well, I ended up. No, I think you did. And you kind of answered my, my second question as well in terms of really what you see the the future of esports to be uh, kind of long term and uh, changes mm -hmm. that uh, you know I, you mentioned a lot of organizations that uh, obviously devastating for, for through COVID, but uh, the opportunity to kind of step back and evaluate and make positive change and uh, get something positive out of it. So, you you answered uh, my question there. But before uh, uh, I know I know Sully has a few more questions, but I I have an interesting uh, something that came across my desk, Jeff and. I understand you were the uh, first employee of the stars. And is it true uh, that you were the one who had to go pick up uh, Norm Green at the airport for his first trip into Dallas? Uh, I was. Okay. And I had to borrow a coworker's car um, <laughs> because I didn't own a car because my family was, you know, in a, a dip of, uh, of their economic, uh, you know, journey. So I didn't own a car. I was borrowing my stepdad's truck and my little sister had wrecked it. Uh, so it was, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies would be embarrassed to put their grandmother on top of it. it was such a, oh, Ellie Mae. That and I'm like, oh, you know, right now, if she had a shotgun, what does she care? But, uh, but anyway, so I had to borrow my coworker, a woman named Amy Reardon. And so, and since I've hired her son, Will, to work here, because he's a huge uh, gamer. And so, so as repayment for Amy letting me borrow her car back in, you know, 1993 in early January, 93, uh, you know, uh, I brought her son on Will to see if we can't, you know, find him a career in esports. So that's, that's how the networking system works. So if you have a Maxima and someone has to go pick up the owner of the Minnesota North Stars to the airport, be generous. Yeah, your, your story is very familiar, you know, internships, low money, no, no car, sleeping on couches. That's how, that's how you get into sports or that's how you pursue your dream. So, so uh, I think that's a good lesson, Monica, for your students at SMU and for everybody. Yeah. So if you want to get in sports, you, you, you got to hustle and do whatever it takes. Well, esports and gaming is the, is their top question whenever I would go into class and, uh, you know, Textbooks don't talk a lot about esports and gaming and the effect that they've had on sports business. Uh, so uh, I've I've had an opportunity to have some of Jeff's coworkers uh, speak to my class, and uh, I had given them great insight into you know what they need to be looking at and uh, how how that's changing and can progress into the future. Before we let well, you go, Kevin, Jeff, to, to follow up on your point, the you know the the lack of money at the beginning is a a barrier to some people. But it also is a filter that keeps a lot of people out of it. But it's also then it creates an opportunity because then when you get in, prove yourself, gain experience, there's not a whole lot of people in the middle. You know, they need the people at the top to run it. They have a they have supply and demand is wildly on the side of sports teams. So that brings earnings down for for the new employees, but that also creates a gap because what happens is you're essentially trading, getting paid not very much money to getting to do things that you shouldn't be able to do and gaining experience while you do it because there's really no one in the middle because once you do that you get a lot of experience at it in doing things in sports that most people don't get in their law firm or consulting firm or something like that and then you get hired by other organizations because now you're, you're this young sharp person who's been in this high profile industry and gained a lot of experience and so you know kevin you have a and monica both i'm sure you have a, a dead sea scroll list of people you used to work with who get plucked for other jobs because of the experience they have. So that's really what you're doing. You're getting paid. You're just not, you're getting paid an opportunity and not money. Uh, and so if you can make that trade and luckily I was dirt poor, so I didn't have anything to lose. I wasn't giving anything up. You know, uh, I did have my girlfriend break up with me because she was making a lot of money and I was making $5 an hour. And she thought that was a bad life choice. And so she's like, you know, you know, popped me and moved on. 
But Jill was out there waiting for you, you know, so it all it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. Before we let thank you goodness. go, give our give our listeners a sense, Jeff, of who your who your pro gamers, these athletes are on 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 pick De- Dallas Fuel, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. how old are they? What's their background? How much money can they earn? Who, who are these guys or and women? Well, I'll I'll do I'll do I'll contrast uh, our Call of Duty team and our fuel team. Our our fuel team are also from South Korea. They were on a, a team called Element Mystic uh, back in South Korea uh, a couple of years ago. And I would compare them a little bit to the NHL days when the Soviet Union started letting the Russian hockey players come to the NHL. They started by each one getting you know, essentially drafted or bought by individual teams. And then the Red Wings figured out, hey, if we unite them and have them kind of play together as the Russian five, then the styles they grew up playing and and essentially have a lot of cohesion with, it will unlock a, a different level of performance. So we have a, our coach is South Korean, used to coach uh, this team in Korea. Uh, we hired a, a young female uh, translator uh, who's South Korean uh, to be our assistant general manager. We hired her as a part-time translator, and she was so great, she's now our assistant general manager. So that's what I mean about the opportunity, you know, you, once you start solving everyone's problems, they'll find more problems for you to deal with. Um, and so that team, um, you know, is unique. Uh, Overwatch is a game, you know, it's a global game. So we have a global talent pool to, to choose from. Call of Duty is mainly a U.S. and Western Europe uh, games about, you know, essentially World War II. So some parts of the country, uh, world, you know, have a better memory of World War II than others do. Uh, so, uh, so there we have mainly, uh, us based, uh, players. They're all usually, uh, you can't start Call of Duty until you're 18. So sometimes we will, you know, recruit, uh, guys who are playing Halo or people who are playing Halo and then recruit them into Call of Duty. And also you have just regular people who play it on an amateur team. Uh, and then they do really, really well. And the other thing about these games is everything's digital. So you can essentially, you know, track progress in the game in a more objective way um, than you can, you know, in traditional sports. If you don't have a scout to go, you know, watch a player, sometimes it can be difficult to tell how they're really, you know, how they, how you project them. Uh, but in gaming, it's a little bit easier to cover the globe in that regard. So um, most of the players are between, you know, 18 and I would say once you get in your mid-20s, you're starting to, your reflexes start to slow down, I'm told. Uh, mine were never very good to begin with. Uh, and then they could make in the, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some League of Legends players make as much as a million dollars a year. Um, so I hope we never get into that game. Um, but there's, you know, there's, there's real money to be had, as there is in any endeavor where you're the best in the world. So it's, uh, you know, not unique in that regard. Well, Jeff, all the best to you with, for continued success with Team Envy. Uh, thanks for coming on. But and by the way, do you play? Don't play games like that we compete in. Those are a little fast paced. I I tend to be more of a you know turn based history oriented you know um, str- strategic games. So more like you know game of risk you know in video right. games. Um, so I tend to be more of an kind of you know an old man uh, game player. Well, you're, 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 you're getting younger every year by being involved in esports. So thanks for, for joining us. We're back in a moment with Danielle Surrency Jones to talk about power hands. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events, whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches. Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rachel. We are really excited to be joined in studio here at Mike Drop Tower by Danielle Surrency Jones, founder and principal business strategist of Danielle Surrency Jones Consulting, and the co-founder and CEO of Powerhands Inc. This is a global product tech company based here in North Texas that designs innovative solutions for athletic training and rehab. Danielle is a self-proclaimed vision chaser, I love that, 
And she is clearly on it because in six years, Power Hands uh, products have been sold to consumers in 86 countries thereabouts. Welcome, Danielle. And I know you play a key role on Monica's Sports Commission board. So uh, she's very happy to have you here, too, I know. Oh, yeah. I, I can't. Uh, I, this has been on the calendar for a while. So very yeah. excited to have uh, Danielle here with us. I can remember the day that uh, she walked into our offices and our our previous CEO with Visit Dallas uh, said, come over here. You've got you've got to meet Danielle. And uh, I think she'd be a great asset to your sports commission board. And I can tell you she has. She really leans in. And uh, I really appreciate uh, everything that you do. For us, Danielle. So we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, I guess what we do from a sports commission and uh, um, your involvement on the board and maybe kind of where you would like to see next steps go. Oh, I, I would love that. And Monica, first of all, I have to thank you for leaning in because you did not know me, of course, when Philip walked over to me and we had a conversation. And I think you are like such the perfect example of diversity, equity and inclusion in sports today and when i think of the dallas sports commission and you being the lead you lean in not only from a diversity of me of course being asked to be a advisor on the board but making sure that the city dfw and everyone else knows how brilliant we are here in this city and that we can host any event right um and and how we can put things together not only just from hey give us a call and we'll help set everything up for you but now we're thinking more innovative as to how we can help market Mm -hmm. for you how we can tell your story while you're here and that's why i love being on the dallas sports commission because i get an opportunity to see the behind the scenes from the collective sports from different verticals Two, I love being on the marketing committee because you know I can think of an idea. Well, like- I'm going to say, uh, we wouldn't have the mic drop uh, to a certain degree from a sports commission side if it, if it wasn't for you, Danielle. So. Oh, it, well, the name alone, right? That is, a, that is a mic drop moment. So congratulations to you guys for that name. And two, you know, we do such great things on the sports commission. And the more ownership that we can have, the better I think that the city can be from a representation standpoint as what we can deliver from sporting events. And not only that, I'm going to push us from an innovative standpoint, too. I think not only the Sports Commission can be a hub for sporting events, but we can be a hub for sports entrepreneurs as well to help from an innovative lab perspective and to tell that story. Well, uh, you're definitely going (laughs) to keep me on my toes. So I, I like it. I like to push the envelope and Thank you for those kind words. So now I want to know a little bit about Power Hands. Let's, what is Power Hands? Uh, It'll be new to some of our listeners. Uh, A lot of great work. Tell us a little bit about Power Hands. Yeah, thank you for that opportunity. You know, um, Power Hands was birthed about almost seven years ago. We'll be celebrating our seven-year anniversary, July 25th, when we noticed a gap in the sporting, sporting community to use functional scientific products to help athletes perform, right? So it started with one mission and one vision in the basketball space. My co-founder read in a Slam Magazine article that Jason Williams, white chocolate, right, uh, used gardening gloves to help improve his handles during the off season. Well, he started adding ankle weights to that. And so then we were using that MacGyver-like technique to help some athletes with their ball handling skills, professional and youth, getting rave reviews. Well, we really sat back and looked at the market at that time, right? So think about 2013. You didn't see, you know, LeBron James or Steph Curry at that time showing their behind the scenes training. So we knew from a youth perspective, not professional athletes, but from a youth perspective, that kids thought that they were just using their phenom athletic skills to get on the court and perform. They didn't understand that you do more training behind the scenes to perform better on the court. So we said, we're gonna create this company that's not just about one product, which was our first patented product, our anti-grip weighted gloves, but we're gonna create functional scientific products that help not just basketball athletes, but football, softball, baseball, and fitness enthusiasts perform overall by 
helping with speed, strength and conditioning, hand-eye coordination, and that's what our platform of innovation has done. And now, what I'm so excited about, obviously, is we've created this uh, these what I call smart products, sporting good products, and now we have technology, an app, of course, that is a multi-sports app that will be able to track and give performance. There's some gaming that is added to it. So super excited about launching that. Man, uh, you know, Jeff was on earlier talking about technology, and now you're talking about technology and integration and 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 your in the equipment and uh you know one of the questions that we have is and you touched on it a little bit but uh you know this isn't for your your superstar well the superstar athletes can obviously use it but uh, even if you're maybe not as uh, athletic but uh you know you can still benefit from power hands oh monica it's for all stages of an athlete and we call an athlete from the mom who's just had a baby who's trying to get back into shape and walk around the community who's using dumbbells, but instead you can use our uh, fingerless weighted power fit gloves, right? Mm -hmm. To the dad who may be um, a CrossFit, you know, enthusiast, you can use our 10 pound weighted patented bodysuit when you're training. Mm -hmm. To a boxer, it's for all stages, all levels of an athlete all verticals of an athlete. And that's why I'm super excited, right? Because I really talk about changing the health and wellness perspective in the community, yep. which is different. Yep, absolutely, a big a big part. Um, you have uh, some impressive lists of, of athletes and ambassadors. One of our podcast friends who we've had on here, Nancy Lieberman, uh, what roles do they play? And from my standpoint, how can we get them involved in the mic drop? In uh, even in sports commission, but how, how did, what do your ambassadors do for you? Yeah, so so from an ambassador standpoint and advisory standpoint, and I, I talk to entrepreneurs about this all the time, you need to choose people that are going to help you get into rooms that you can't get into. Because as the only double minority owned global sports tech company, right, you know, looking at diversity, equity, inclusion, it's hard sometimes if you don't know or have that warm introduction to talk to a team, a professional team, or a coach, or an organization. So from an advisory standpoint, you want those people to represent you. Someone like Nancy Lieberman, I mean, gosh, her stats are, stats are amazing. Someone like Bill Burgos, who's a strength and conditioning coach for the Timberwolves. He's been the strength and conditioning coach for the Dodgers. Someone like Anthony Tolliver, who's a vice president of the MBPA, who is in his, I think, 11 seasons playing with the Philadelphia 76ers, who lives right here in the Prosper DFW yes. area, right? Those are individuals that can help talk about the importance of power hands, our power to give foundation, and what we have done, right? So how they can get involved yep. in the sports commission. We need every voice that we can to help people understand. Now, these individuals are traveling worldwide, right? Mm -hmm. So we need everyone to understand what DFW can bring to not only their organization, right, but how we can host and elevate their organization. And we can also help them, of course, in their communities to uplift it as well. Yep. I think so many people don't realize what we have here right underneath our... Yeah. They don't. Uh, you know, right here, the number of sports entrepreneurs, athletes, uh, people who make DFW their their home. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Uh, COVID was so tough on so many businesses, obviously, but you seem to have gotten through okay. How did, how did you do that? <clears throat> Excuse me. It was tough, <clears throat> which makes my throat because it's, it's emotional. There were more than 3.5 businesses that closed during COVID. And um, I think I heard the gentleman, you know, before it was, it, it was extremely tough, but, you know, for power hands, <clears throat> excuse me, we were positioned because one, when we look at the way in which we sell, we are an e-com company with a sprinkle of retail, right? So a lot of companies that were retail, they had to pivot to start their e-com business structure. Well, we didn't we were able to meet customers where they were from an online perspective. So when everything was shutting down, 
we already had a business framework where we could deliver to athletes who were trying to work out in their garage, who were trying to work out in their backyard for fitness enthusiasts where equipment was running out. Well, instead of buying a dumbbell, you're now buying your gloves or your 10 pound weighted suit. You're wearing your gym, right? You're working out um, from a virtual standpoint in the office. So because we had that business framework, that's why we were able to double our sales and serve better. And in addition to that, I really think that we leaned in with our trainers. We have some of the most renowned trainers that are in the industry across multiple sports. We hosted virtual masterclasses with them. And we also gave back through our Power to Give Foundation. I mean, we gave to the nurses who were on the, on the front lines. We started creating masks, of course, to help um, uh, keep people protected. Um, we also gave one-on-one -on -one to kids that might have written in and said, hey, I want to train. I can't train with my team, but through your Power to Give Foundation, I'd love to figure out a way how I can either promote your products or I can get your products just to because I can't afford them. So I love the fact that we were innovative enough to have a business framework to cater and serve during that time. We were innovative enough to lean in with our trainers and with our athletes to give people what they needed to understand how to train with our smart technology. And, and two, from a power to give standpoint, we were able to serve because people needed people during COVID. We needed that interaction. And I think we, we had a campaign that was uh, train inside right and train for the world so when everything else was shut down i feel so humbled they let power hands in to their lives you, you mentioned uh, earlier being an entrepreneur and our area is just loaded with people who have this vision like you do we had jalen smith on the program earlier with all that he's doing to develop young minority entrepreneurs what an amazing person he is, he is. of the cowboys of course what is it about our area that fuels this this entrepreneurial spirit? You know, it it starts with the leaders, right? So we have some of the most innovative leaders in our community, from Jerry Jones, <clears throat> of course, to Mark Cuban. Um, the fact that we cater to Jimmy Smith, we cater to multiple sports verticals, and our leadership is so strong. They have such a strong voice. Number two, the economic development, right? So living here in the DFW area is affordable. It's affordable for an entrepreneur to have an idea and start from ideation, then to carry out their plan to execution. And then where we're going is, I love the fact that we're now from a capital standpoint because that is the most important asset, right? One of the most important assets for an entrepreneur. You can have an idea. But if you don't have the funding to get to the next level, then you absolutely will fail. So the fact that now we're recognizing how to pour in resources and assets into our entrepreneurs and our innovative programs here, I think that's why DFW is very attractive. Now, I do think, of course, that 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 is something that we've we've learned over the course of the couple, a couple of years. Now it's time to put a blueprint together. I mean, we have an opportunity as DFW to put a blueprint to say Dallas Sports Commission is here. All these amazing uh, multi-sports teams are here and boom, we have entrepreneurs. So how can we lean in together to learn from one another, right? To share best practices, ideas and resources so that the fortunes, I, I did a, uh, a TED talk called The Black Elephant in the Room. And it is truly about making sure that we recognize the collective brilliance. We set aside our own fears. We recognize the collective brilliance of women, small businesses, and entrepreneurs. We lean in, we lean in, we share the blueprint, and then that's how we all rise together. So I think that's the perfect opportunity for DFW across basketball, across soccer, across hockey, across football, for us to all lean in together across those segments and truly be great and then share that with LA and then share that with Florida. That's that's huge. We had an important conversation on the mic drop with Kurt Menefee of Fox Sports uh, several episodes ago about overcoming racism and understanding mm. the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you're an expert in that topic through your consulting business and your life experience. You provide guidance uh, on that to, to, to companies. What should our audience know about what each of us can do 
uh, to do better in, 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 in underst- grow in understanding and, and help uh, create opportunities so that Dallas-Fort Worth can become even more diverse? Thank you so much for that question. And first, it's, you know, I, I like to put things in very simple forms. Mic drop is a perfect example. You invite people to the table to have a conversation to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion. You set aside your own fears and have the courageous conversation to listen and to understand. This is one of my most uh, favorite moments when I understood that my purpose in life is not to be understood, but to understand, right? And that's what diversity, equity, and inclusion is about. It's making sure that we listen to other people, we embrace their perspective, we understand their perspective, then we acknowledge the fact that everybody can come to the table, right, and create something that is so special based on that collective brilliance. So one, it's the invite for the courageous conversation, whether you're a corporation, whether you're a small business, whether you're an individual in the community, have that conversation. Secondly, it is definitely now moving to the next step of putting some practices in place, right? Really acknowledging what are the broken areas that exist within that organization that you need to address. Either that's from a hiring practice, right? In helping managers understand how to get past their own um, ideas and philosophies uh, to move forward, right? In recognizing other brilliant talent, or if it's within, you know, culture, celebrating all cultures. And, and this is the important thing. Diversity, equity, inclusion is not a black thing. It's not a white thing, right? It is an inclusive. It's recognizing everyone. So if you have a celebration, you don't have a celebration just around Black History Month. You have a celebration around, you know, any uh, Latinas or you have a celebration around um, any uh, Chinese holidays. Whatever there is, you celebrate people and make them feel worthy. So those are very simple things that you can do. See? The passion oozes out of her. I mean, this is why I love her. She's giving me goosebumps. Uh, she she makes me more excited, I think, to continue on to do my work. Uh, and you're every, the perfect example. Every day. Um, well, before we let you go, uh, Danielle, we have to know, you know, this is called the mic drop. Uh, what is uh, next? Uh, what's next up for Power Hand? Oh, man. We have, one, uh, we're in our Series A race, so we are raising $3 million to fund are you ready? Yeah. In 45 days, um, approximately, I be, will be announcing one, an awesome strategic merger that is already done, oh coupled boy. with oh boy, coupled you. with an exciting journal partner who is up for Rookie of the Year this year, who has joined, will be sitting at the table, sought out Power Hands as a double minority-owned company and said, I want to help you grow. I want to create innovation with you. I want to create technology with you. And those 86 countries that you talked about, I want to help you scale and put blueprints into those countries. So that will be huge. Next, we will be launching our multi-sports live stream training app. And then last, we'll be working on our RFID sensors for that smart technology. So my hands are full. Wow, uh, I am honored that we were able to get her on here. Look at these ideas that'll help. Uh, well, one, we can't wait to see Power Hands grow, but help other sports co- uh, tech companies here in DFW and, and sharing your wisdom. So, Sully, I think we're going to have to have Danielle back on. Uh, we'll, you know, After down the road. You, yeah, Thank since you since you can't break any news here uh, today on the yeah. mic drop, come back when you can talk about your new. Oh uh, my strategic gosh. partners. I, we can't wait to hear more. I about would it. love it. And you guys are going to have so much fun with this launch. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have some NFTs that are associated with it. Really cool, really cool marketing plan. So I would love to. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on. You are a walking mic drop yourself, Danielle. <laughs> not, not just a woman of vision, but a walking yeah. mic drop. So thanks for joining us on, on the program. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Try having a relaxing weekend at the spa or a fun family staycation for spring break. The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown, within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The Uptown Terrace Infinity Pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the Dallas skyline at night. 
Go to omnihotels.com slash Dallas for the best offers and plan your post-quarantine staycation today. Because why? Big wins happen here. Thanks, Rachel. We're going to be joined in a moment by uh, Stars beat writer from the athletic side, Yusuf. But first, I, I got to tell one more story since it is episode 17. I mentioned at the top of the show, Oliver Mack was an original Maverick, uh, uh, came from the Chicago Bulls. He actually wore number 23 at the Bulls right before you know who wore number 23. He actually was the next to last Bull. He was a, he, he's a great guy. He played one year with the Mavericks, and then his second year, he was there for a couple of months until a guy named Orlando Blackman came along and you know t- took his job. But one of my favorite stories from the very first year of the Mavericks took place involved Oliver Mack, number 17, in your program here for episode 17. Uh, it was February 27th, 1981. We were playing the Indiana Pacers. And in the middle of the game, Pacers forward George Johnson threw up on the court. I've never seen this happen before or since, but George Johnson threw up on the court. Oliver Mack slides right into it, the mess on the floor, creating a bigger mess. He goes down. Clemen Johnson, teammate of George Johnson, looks at this, and he gets sick to his stomach, leaves the court, hurdles the bench to run back to the locker room because he's going to get sick. The referee looks around and sees the Pacers only have four players on the court, calls a technical foul for only having four players on the court. Jim Spinarco makes the free throw for the strangest point of the season for the Mavericks and the strangest and most favorite story of that early season that involved in number 17. So I couldn't help myself. I had to, I had to tell that story. Oliver Mack had uh, 26 points in that game, but he also created all this uh, chaos and mayhem after George Johnson threw up on the floor. You're making me <laughs> nauseous. Uh, I'm taking this uh, down. Making, we had Danielle hold on, uplifted I, I, us. I have something for you. Hold on. <laughs> well, go ahead, Danielle. Well, well I was going to say that I've also seen that in person, not the episode on the court, but Donovan McNabb during um, the Super Bowl against in, in Jacksonville. And remember, he throws up a couple of times before he's getting ready to go. And I love Donovan. He's part of our QB legacy <laughs> program. But yes, that is uh, th- that moment is is a mic drop. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a crazy one involving at seventeen in honor of episode seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's welcome Saad Yusuf, Stars beat writer for the Athletic, to to the program. Uh, how you doing, Saad? I'm doing good. How are you? Do- doing all right. We, we, we know for, and you covered the Mavericks uh, before your current uh, gig with, with the Stars, I know. What, yes. uh, as Stars beat reporter, what really important offseason for both of these uh, franchises? Before we get to your, to your download, just a couple of questions. What, talk a little bit about how important this offseason is. Let's start with the Stars and then go to the Mavericks. Well, for the stars, it's the biggest off season, just because you know next season is the uh, is the last season really in this championship window that they've been swimming in right now. So next year and next summer, John Klingberg, Alexander Radulov, and Joe Pavelski, all three guys are going to be uh, their deals are going to be up, so they're going to come off the books, and those are three of the main contributors on this team. So um, you know the team needs to make sure that they position themselves for the best chance to win because. their championship window doesn't close after this year, but it's going to enter a different realm. It's going to become the younger players game at that point, the Miro Haskin and Jason Robertson. Um, And maybe, you know, Klingberg does resign, but chances are Radulov and Pavelski don't. So, um, and also, you know, you have your players like Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benton who aren't getting any younger. So um, every year is really important. And, um, and, you know, like you said, like, it's, this is just going to be a really important off season for them, but beyond that, it's, it's going to also be just an important season next year, which also includes the trade deadline and all that kind of stuff. So what do you think Jason Robertson's chances are winning that, uh, Calder trophy? Not great. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't, I don't think he's going to win it. I think he, he deserves consideration. I think he'll, he'll be a very, uh, deserving runner up. Um, but there's no really denying what Kirill Kaprizov has done in Minnesota. And, you know, I, I wrote a story with our Minnesota beat writer in late April, kind of comparing those two players' seasons up to that point. And honestly, at that point, um, 
Jason Robertson had, had made up so much ground. Like if it, 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 it all depended on how the two guys were able to finish the season and Jason uh, slowed down a little bit, whereas Kaprizov didn't just maintain what he was doing. He took it to a whole different level. And then it also plays into it. It also plays a role. The fact that, you know, Kaprizov's team made it to the playoffs, whereas Robertson's team didn't. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate because Jason did have a really good year. He is, I think two and a half two something like that younger than Kaprizov, but um, but but I, I still think this is going to be Kaprizov's award. It's honestly, it's just a matter of whether he wins it unanimously or not. And what about the Mavericks uh, side? What big offseason there as well? Mark Cuban has said there won't be a coaching change. Uh, what do you think they'll look to do? How can they surround Luca with more more talent? Well, they need to figure out what they want, what direction they want to go, because uh, you can't really be in that middle ground. You know, for the first couple of years of Luca's career, they were they were you know offense all the way. Seth Curry was there. You know, you had all these shooters on the floor, um, and then you know last year uh, they had the best offense in NBA history in, in terms of offensive rating. Well, they went into this off season, this past off season, saying, well, we need to improve defense. So they got rid of Seth Curry, brought in J- Josh Richardson. Um, in, in, in hopes to improve the defense. And, you know, honestly, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but it, it was a, it was a bad trade-off because the defense, though, though it improved a little bit, it didn't improve too much. And the offense wasn't, didn't have enough firepower to overcome those def- defensive deficiencies. So, um, you know, the first thing is they need to make sure they need to figure out what they want to do. Do they want to be a balanced team? Do they want to just be a team that, you know what, screw the defense. We're just going to go and score 150 every night. And that's how we're going to win basketball games. And so they need to figure that out. And then obviously the big question is going to be, how does Kristaps Porzingis fit into this entire equation? Um, And, you know, is, is, does he bring more value as a trade piece at this point, which, you know, his trade value is not high right now either, but does he bring more value there than he does as Luca's running mate? And that's going to be, really the $158 million question going into this offseason. All right, Saad, this is the point of the program. And, Danielle, think about this, because since you're in studio, we're going to give you a chance to answer this question, too. Okay. Uh, this is the point of the program, side where we, we like to bring on a guest and ask, you know, what are you streaming? What are you downloading these days? Could be sports-related. doesn't have to be. Uh, so kind of open up your, uh, your digital records and let us know. What are, you, uh, what are you downloading? What are you streaming these days? So I just downloaded uh, the uh, Office Ladies podcast uh, because I'm about to take a trip down to Austin. So I had uh, I, I downloaded a few episodes of the Office Ladies. I'm a huge fan of the Office, so um, that's something I just downloaded for my listening pleasure in the car. Um, in terms of watching, I'm not downloading too much right now because the NHL and NBA playoffs are both going on. But I did. Uh, I think it was three, four days ago, downloaded the uh, OJ Simpson documentary uh, to, because I never got to watch that all the way through when it, when it came out. So um, whenever there are lulls in the postseason action, those are the things that th- that's what I'll be watching. And then uh, I'll be listening to the office ladies podcast and then, you know, just uh, regular music that I'm, that I'm always listening to. Yeah, the office. That, that's a good recommendation. I'm going to, I'm going to jump on that. I'm a big fan of the show too. Monica, what are you uh, what are you up to? No, no download this week, but I tell you that uh, I've been glued to the TV for the NCAA Women's World Series in softball. Some really great uh, games there. Athleticism. The the final game will be today, actually, I believe, two o'clock uh, with Oklahoma versus Florida State. So, um, some some really really good games there. You know, my daughter went to uh, Amy went to JMU James Madison, oh, so they they yep. put a little scare into uh, the unranked team. Yeah, yeah, they they had a great run there. Uh, so Danielle, do you have a, a, a book, a music, podcast, TV, movie? What are you watching, listening to, reading these days? Oh my gosh, I'm such a nerd. Um, I uh, well, number one, I have a four year old and I have a seven year old, so that tells you again what I'm listening to on that end. But but from a business standpoint, I mean, I get Google alerts. I'm the you know Harvard Business Review. I'm the Inc. Magazine. Right. Um, you know, I, because of our business, I follow anything in sports tech. Um, I follow, of course, very closely the NBA and some things that are going on here. So that's what I'm into and I'm writing a lot of contracts and, and those things, but from a just 
you know, uh, binge watching, man, I love All American. I don't know if you guys have seen that on Netflix. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, so All American is a really good binge watching sports show um, that I'm on right now. Write it down, everybody, because mm-hmm. if it's from Danielle, you know it's good. So, <laughs> yeah. Sad, I, my, my download this week, Sad, is is the Quest for the Cup 21 on ESPN Plus. Episode 2 will drop uh, by the time this airs. Great behind-the-scenes look at what it means to compete in the uh, for the for the uh, Stanley Cup. Now, Saad, I don't know if you've watched, if you watched the first episode uh, of that show, but the, anyone who does, you're going to learn some new vocabulary. Uh, the way that hockey people speak is different. There's colorful uses of profanity, so this is not necessarily for the whole family. Uh, but Saad, have you seen it? And if even if you haven't, am I right? I mean, there's a whole different way of speaking when you're around an NHL team that's actually very fun and and, uh, and, and, and pretty cool. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, but, but you're absolutely right. The, the, the language that is used, it's not even, it's not even, you know, it's not a good or bad. It's just, it's just very different. Um, the way that you talk about everything from, you know, a player's performance to a player's health, um, it's, it, it varies, it varies quite a bit from, you know, regular sports and, and, uh, and, and just other sports. Like a lot of times you'll, you know, you don't get a lot of clarity on certain things uh, because the the hockey the hockey way is to kind of keep things vague, just speak in vague terms all the time. And um, and, and so yeah, there I think there's absolutely a difference in how um, they're they're spoke they they speak. And I think some of that also just has to do with the fact that uh, it's a little bit more geographically diverse um, than than a lot of the other sports. You know, you do have the the Canadian influence and uh, there it's literally coast to coast everywhere. So I think, you know, you, you kind of get a little bit of that and also, you know, it's a very international sport. So, um, so I, I, you know, while the NBA specifically the Mavericks are also international, but, um, but I think hockey is, is super international. So you get a lot of different uh, ways of speaking and, and how players and coaches are understanding and, you know, transferring the message. And for somebody who's not an NHL fan, I, I, I encourage you to watch this because you will learn a lot. And the thing that, that you take away is how hard these players compete and how much they love each other. This is team, 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 unlike, uh, unlike some of the other sports where the individual stars are kind of front and center. This is a team situation. So, so Saad, thank you for, for joining us today with your download. The Office Ladies, everybody check it out. All-American from, uh, from Danielle. Uh, this was a fun one and some important conversation, too. So thank you for being here in studio Absolutely. with us, Danielle. Thank uh, th- thanks to Saad. Thanks to Jeff Moore of, of, of Team Envy. That was a cool conversation, too, about eSports. Uh, and thanks to the Mic Drop production team, Chris Amelia, Marcus Carr, uh, our showrunner, Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.